Thank you for joining us today. You are listening to Cannabinerds. This week we are talking to Kurt Robbins. You may have read some of his articles in publications like High Times, Cannabis, Mary Jane, Cannabis Culture, Cannabis Aficionado, and among dozens of other publications. Kurt is a lot of things, but one thing that you'll find out that sticks out is he is a great educator and a great influencer in the cannabis space. If you want to know about a specific cannabinoid, terpene, flavonoid, or anything to do with cannabis, this is the man to talk to. Enjoy, and thank you for listening. The exact point that you're making is that, you know, we can't sit here and start talking about the intricacies of CB1 and CB2 receptors and, you know, how these cannabinoids and terpenes work together inside the brain and, you know, in the organs of the immune system and all that. When people don't even know what the hell terpenes and cannabinoids even are. Right. right. You just yeah. said ECS. What the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. dude? I don't know what you're talking about. What's you an know? X? I don't know an X. <laughs> yeah. Acidic precursors. This is not chemistry class. What the hell, dude? So, yeah, you know, we we have to set that basic vocabulary, right? Welcome, everybody, to another fabulous episode. My name's David. I have Rachel over here with me. That makes this... Cannabinerds. Cannabinerds, exactly. We actually have a very, another, another good treat today. We have another cannabinerd joining us. We have Kurt Robbins. Hello, David. Hello, Rachel. <laughs> Hello, Kurt. Hey. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, uh, Kurt Robbins is basically a cannabis educator. And there's a lot to unpack with what I just said there. But if you want to know a specific cannabinoid, terpene, flavonoid, or anything to do with cannabis, Kurt Robbins is the man to talk to. And that's who we're talking to today. Kurt Robbins, how's it going? You know, it's going, it's going great. Uh, I, last year I relocated to the Las Vegas area, so I'm really enjoying the desert and, uh, but more pertinent to what we're talking about here, the cannabis industry in Nevada is really one of the best in the, in North America. It's very exciting and dynamic and there's unique brands and thought leaders here. So I'm having a great time. That's awesome. So you're surrounded by your people. <laughs> True, true. And, you know, our people in a lot of parts of North America are quite frustrated right now, whether exactly. they live where yeah. it's you know prohibited or legal. Right. Um, so uh, it's nice to see certain jurisdictions like the state of Nevada and more specifically the businesses here in the Las Vegas metro area uh, being so innovative and disruptive. It's really exciting. I found it very fascinating in Nevada. Uh, they just passed a law that uh, employers cannot discriminate hiring or firing an employee based on the THC content in their in their uh, body. Correct. Which Correct. is, I think, it's a great middle ground because we don't have cannabis legally, uh, federally legal, and there's a lot of companies that uh, there's just a lot of two, there's millions of ways you can go, but I think that's a great uh, middle ground, so to speak. Yeah. Now we just got to get uh, California and their 40 million residents on board with that because uh, <laughs> yeah. there are some what are considered very progressive states like California that don't even have this. This sounds so basic what Nevada is doing, right? Yeah. It's saying, look, if we legalize, especially if we legalize at the adult use level, it's just kind of illogical and almost hypocritical to then also allow an employer to 
quote unquote drug test and and say, oh, no, looks like you've been consuming cannabis. We can fire you. Mm -hmm. This can happen in most states, including California. It's very nice to see Nevada being uh, very progressive and saying, well, that's that's kind of illogical. Right. We can't legalize adult use on one side and then continue to allow employers to basically uh, practice bigotry, if you will. Right. Um, And it's a it's black and white. It's really black and white with almost everywhere. If you have any kind of THC amount, even if it's 0.01%, if they detect right. it, it's black or white. Hot or not, you're out. Sorry. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, things like that make me uh, happy that I decided to reload it because there's, you know, it's never perfect, right? But there's a lot of really good things going on in the cannabis industry here and in terms of the regulatory oversight that uh, other states should pay attention to, quite honestly. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to pay more attention to Nevada then. (laughs) (laughs) We're in Colorado, so we know a lot about that, and uh, I'm just fascinated by that. But one thing I do want to ask you is, what's one fascinating thing about you that not many people would know? Mm, Not many people would know. Um, Actually, most of my technical writing and instructional design has been outside of cannabis. Uh, It was in IT and started during the dot-com. So... um, I've created more than 700 uh, courses uh, for non-cannabis topics. So it's something I've done for my entire career, and I really like it. I, I get a certain charge out of instructional design because if we can take, uh, you know, giving information to consumers or regulators or business owners, uh, but these folks are shaping our world, right? And if they do so out of ignorance, uh, it doesn't work too well. Like yeah. we were just talking about, you know, we need jurisdictions like states and and eventually, you know, the entire country uh, and Canada is facing this, right? And they're seeing pros and cons. But okay, it's it, you know it's one thing to legalize, but what really matters is the regulatory oversight that we wrap around that legalization, and we can do that right or we can do that wrong. And we now have eleven adult use states here in the U.S., so we have in, an increasing number of examples of the right things to do and the wrong things to do. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. And if you can put that into a way that people can actually absorb the knowledge, then that's 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 the goal, right? <laughs> Exactly. That's that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, it's very different than when I did it back in the, in the dot com, quite honestly. It was very much a kind of a paper based and you had an instructor in front of a classroom, be it a class or a seminar, part of a small curriculum or a big certificate bearing curriculum. But uh, now we have mobile tech, right? We have oh, yeah. social media. We communicate, you know, the way humans communicate is uh, evolving and educators and content creators need to stay current with that. And uh, for people like me, who basically have spent most of their lives in text. It's challenging for us, but I I can personally consider it a fun challenge, but we must embrace audio like we're doing now and we must embrace video and multimedia. And, you know, it's uh, training in the old school way of bringing bodies physically into a classroom or a training environment, right? And getting Mm -hmm. a, a, you know, a, a teacher or a lecturer or a professor in front of them. There's a great deal of validity to that model. But the way I look at it is that is merely one option. We now have mobile apps and video on YouTube and paywalls. And there's lots of ways to create compelling educational content and for everybody to get fed. Yeah, right? You got to monetize that. Bigger. Yeah, but and hopefully it can be monetized in a way that 
businesses, especially like small businesses, independent dispensaries or processing centers can, you know, train their employees. Uh, but I think the market will shake it out and that plentiful, high quality and affordable training materials will be there. But the complexity of it is they're going to take advantage of all these different communications channels. So, yes, it'll be instructors standing in front of uh, conference halls or, you know, groups of people live. But it'll also be exciting things like mobile apps and YouTube videos. And uh, I really am a big fan of self-paced learning because we're all busy professionals. If you can learn, you know, gain knowledge that's strategically helpful to your career, uh, we need to do that very efficiently, right? Most people don't have a whole weekend to give to a class. Uh, mm-hmm. We wish we did, but we don't. Right. You know, that one thing that reminds me of is we're so with a Netflix era, you know, we're, we're a subscription based <laughs> era. So, and then not a lot of, I don't know the statistics on that and I'm probably going to really beef this up, but not as many people are going to college right now, that actual four year bachelor degree. Uh, there's online courses that you can do. And with this subscription-based era that we've accustomed ourselves to, the Netflix era, something like an education course that's subscription-based seems not too far out of the realm of possibility. Well, exactly. And there are companies out there doing that right now. And again, in my opinion, they're all good options because um, if you are either a professional in the cannabis or hemp industries or you want to be a professional and you need to acquire skills, uh, either way, you have a ton of options these days. Again, I think it's very exciting. You can go old school, human in front of a classroom, go attend a seminar in your city uh, if it's you know available and increasingly it is in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can say, you know, I just don't have the time for that. I'm raising kids. I got a real busy career. I got my own company, whatever. And uh, you can tap into, there's some training vendors offering uh, training videos and, and other resources through applications, you know, mobile apps. You can do it on your freaking iPhone. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I love the, the, the technology. I don't love technology just for technology's sake. I like it because it's an enabler and yeah. we can we can train workforces and communities throughout the globe with something as simple as, you know, a Wi-Fi connection and an app on your tablet. So being this is cannabinoids, I would love to hear a bit more of the story of how you got into the industry or what, you know, made you think this was a worthy worthy cause to devote so much time into. Well, I was a consumer myself for a variety of reasons. You know, there's that idea that we're all medical consumers at a certain level, whether we consider yeah. ourselves patients or quote unquote sick. Um, so, you know, I everybody enjoys it recreationally or most of us do. Yes. I, I, I question <laughs> those who who say it's a bad experience. I think maybe they got some tainted, some tainted right. flour or something there. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, so I, you know, I grew up in the generation of dare where it's, You know, what I recall of it was that it would decrease your IQ. They frightened us and Mm -hmm. intimidated us by saying, hey, you're going to be less competitive in the workforce. Mm -hmm. And I was certainly very sensitive to that. You know, I've been a knowledge worker my entire career. You know, people don't pay me to lift bricks. That's not my forte. Mm -hmm. And so anything I would put in my body that would lower my IQ or my capabilities in that respect, I would have stayed the hell away from. Uh, right. And I actually considered it a performance enhancement. So it seemed very ironic and paradoxical to me what the government was saying. But I was like, hey, whatever. Uh, it works for me. Yeah. So in my personal lifestyle, I used it. But then um, probably in about 2003, 
uh, I got a little more into the culture and I just started thinking about it a lot more. I was earning my living and raising my family in Ohio as a technical writer for insurance companies and banks and such, right? Okay. Fortune 200 organizations, you don't wave the cannabis flag. Yeah. <laughs> so, <Right>. uh, <laughs> so I invented a pen name. So I could lead kind of a Batman dual life of <laughs> writing about cannabis for magazines like High Times and Cannabis Culture and Skunk and Weed World and half of them don't exist anymore. But uh, so I could I could do that for 15 years. And that's what I did. I wrote under a pen name called Gooey Rubinsky. <laughs> um, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it protected me. It functioned. It worked. And the proof that it worked was I never got blacklisted by corporate America and they kept hiring me to do their technical writing jobs and, you know, technical instructional design jobs and producing training videos and stuff like that. Okay. So that's how I learned to do all that stuff. But now we're in 2020 and it's fun to take the experience set that I've gained in corporate America and to apply it to this new emerging industry of hemp and cannabis. And talking about new and emerging, I know 2019, even in the, the, the last half of 2019, CBG, a cannabinoid, has been blowing up. And you almost see it everywhere in the headlines and, you know, cannabis culture and the different news media outlets that you see. Can you explain a little bit about what CBG is, what it does? Why is it such a huge deal and why is it almost the new CBD, as some would claim to say? <laughs> the new CBD, the yeah. new Gucci. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, well, um, cannabigerol, CBG, is – it goes by the kind of the nickname. It's acquired the moniker of the mother of cannabinoids. Okay. And the reason for that is we need to step back and understand just a little about how the biochemistry of these molecules from plants like cannabis and hemp, how, how it works there. Okay. So – there are basically two let's, – let's, let's step back even a little further. There are three basic categories of molecules that come from this plant. They are cannabinoids, the most famous being THC, mm -hmm. and what we're talking about right now, CBG. Mm -hmm. That's one of them. CBD, that's a cannabinoid, right? Yeah. But for your listeners who have also heard about uh, things like myrcene and linalool and pinene and limonene and terpinaline, those are a different category of molecule called terpenes. And mm -hmm. they are the molecules that are responsible for the aroma, the infamous aroma of cannabis that gets us all busted by our parents. <laughs> the stank in that dank. I wish I could have a perfume of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The third category, since I do want to, you know, deliver on what I promised here, are called <laughs> flavonoids. And there are relatively few flavonoids. There's only 20 different, uh, and sometimes they're called canaflavin uh, because they're talking about flavonoids that are specific to the cannabis plant, right? That's right. all that's going on there in okay. terms of scientific labeling. Yeah. Um, and there's about 20 of those. Now, the terpenes, there's about 200 different terpenes that have been identified in the cannabis genome. And there's about 146 cannabinoids that have been identified in the genome. Now, I do want to say for the record that all of these terpenes and cannabinoids and flavonoids do not manifest in an individual example of the plant. Oh, so some so, of them could be, uh, you'd have one species, or not, I shouldn't say species, one plant or chemovar that has certain levels of CBD or uh, THC, as well as different terpene profiles as well, as opposed to uh, you go over to a different uh, farm and they have a different plant and that would have something totally different. They don't all occur 
in the same exactly plant exactly same that's okay. right that's the real takeaway for listeners is that wow this is this is more than 400 molecules this is amazing that's true but we need we need to keep our mental framework clear and clean and understand that it's just like in human beings right you can't be both six foot six and four foot eight and have blue eyes and have brown eyes mm-hmm. right. with the yeah. exception <laughs> of like david bowie with you know but uh, yeah so so these these the you know the the genome has a capability set, if you will. And so it's capable of producing all these different uh, terpenes and cannabinoids and flavonoids, but they manifest uh, in completely different ways. I've had master cultivators uh, uh, over the last 20 years uh, tell me that it gets, okay, let's say you take the same, what I'll call a cultivar. Some people call it a strain. Uh, strain is a better label for viruses and bacteria and stuff like that. Yeah. So really cultivar is a better label. So we take a cultivar, let's say it's a sour diesel or Jack hair. Jack hair is one of my favorites. Let's say we do that. Okay. And the farmer puts down a hundred Jack hair plants okay, uh-huh. from the same genetics. Now they can do it from clones or they can do it from seed, but regardless, it's all the same genetics, all the same lineage and parents, right? Mm-hmm. This is how weird it gets, and this is science we're still trying to figure out, but the master cultivators have told me that the lower branch of a plant, of the same plant, will have a different terpene profile and a different cannabinoid profile than an upper branch. Wow. Uh, would that have to do with some UV ray, UV light, anything like that? That's the only thing I can think of. That's right. If the Well, what you just said begs the question of, okay, we've got uh, trichomes. They're the little mm-hmm. resin glands on the flowers, right? During yes. the last stages of, of, of uh, before they harvest and they're really doing their job. Do they operate a little differently in the dark versus in the light? Like if it's shadowed by one of the leaves above mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a science we need to Yes, yeah, absolutely. That, that'd be hard to be as accurate. You know, it could be the same exact strain. So you've got it all in a jar. So, you know, you, know? you don't know right, which, right. which bud you're getting. <laughs> and it's one reason that we need thorough testing, right? This is why I'm a big advocate for legalization. And again, we don't always regulate it the right way. I'm not saying high tax rates and onerous regulatory oversight that other industries don't have to face. I'm not saying that's necessarily a good way to do it. But what I like about the legal industry is that it forces everyone in the production chain to indulge in testing, right? Yes. By certified third-party laboratories. Now, yes, there's payola schemes and, you know, all that can go wrong too. Anything can go wrong. Well, what's we a payola right scheme? I, have not, I haven't heard of, a, of that. There have been, uh, this has been going on for a few years. Uh, unfortunately, your listeners won't have to look very far to find it. Um, but it's been identified in Oregon and California, and it probably goes on everywhere where the testing center, okay, 23% THC sells for more money than 12%, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the tax so rate is ridiculous as you, well in Michigan <laughs> with a different hand THC. the testing. Yeah. Well, you hand the testing facility a little extra money and suddenly your 12% THC just became 23%. Oh. Now you got something you can sell. Right? Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, but it, it happens. This episode is brought to you by TheHempJar.com. You know, CBD oil is everywhere. Gas stations, pillows, I've even seen it on pizza. It's hard to figure out where to start or what's even good. Neuroscientists and doctors are discovering that the more compounds in hemp or oil products, the more synergistic balance one can obtain. That's why products from The Hemp Jar contain every natural compound. 
about 480, not just the handful that common CBD oil provides. TheHempJar.com delivers the whole genetic code of the plant and delivers it right to your front door. Feel the difference by going to TheHempJar.com and entering in promo code CANNABINERDS10 for 10% off any order. Every natural compound giving the most relief for you and your wallet. TheHempJar.com, in its most natural form. Okay, so going back to CBG, um, mm-hmm. uh, we broadened the, the scope out, so we kind of know everything in basic form of the cannabis plant and how the the three different major molecules there are and variants of that. So honing back down into CBG, uh, what specifically, or why is it so popular? Well, all of these cannabinoids like THC, CBD, and CBG they are created there's something called the biosynthetic pathway okay. and it's kind of like we used to be in the womb right but now we're not and we're walking around and breathing air mm-hmm. so we kind of go through this biosynthetic pathway similarly cannabinoids do the same thing and there's something called acidic precursors and every cannabinoid out there is created by an acidic precursor it's like the larval stage if, if you will think of it that way mm-hmm. of the cannabinoid so for thc it's thca It's always designated by the letter A. Mm -hmm. CBDA, that's its acidic precursor. And CBGA has, that's its acidic precursor. Well, it turns out CBG is the mother of all cannabinoids because CBGA, its acidic precursor, guess what it does? It creates all the other acidic precursors. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's the mom. (laughs) Everything's cloned off of that one. Right. And I do want to say just for those, you know, keeping score, CBGA does not create THC or CBD. Those are called the neutral versions. Okay. okay? Sometimes called the standard version, but neutral is a better label. CBGA is creating CBDA and CBDA is creating CBD. So CBGA would create THCA, not THC. Correct. Same with CBD. Okay. Okay. And the process by which a molecule like THCA becomes THC is called decarboxylation. And your listeners can look that up from 100 sources and learn more about that, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what makes what are the health benefits of CBG that are have that have been known so far, if any? There are very many. We see, again, to take kind of a, a higher level perspective on all this. Uh, we start to see commonality between not only all of the cannabinoids, but also between the cannabinoids and the terpenes. Uh, And we see that they have certain common efficacies. One of those is decreased pain. They act as analgesics uh, and help in pain management. And this is one of the most common conditions for patients in the modern world is pain management because, you know, hundreds of different diseases and conditions result in pain. And it can get so bad that you can't hold a job and you have, you know, that, that affects a lot of people in our, in our culture. Right? Yeah, some, some may say uh, that even goes all the way back to um inflammatory you're inflamed all the pain comes from some form of inflammation there is a a definite relationship especially in some use cases and some diseases of between inflammation and pain Mm -hmm. and that was the next thing i was going to mention is that we see this pattern that many different terpenes and cannabinoids reduce systemic inflammation and that can sometimes decrease or get rid of pain uh you know and other negative things that there's a lot of negative things that can come from inflammation, right? Yeah. 
And we have some other uh, efficacies there, too, that are kind of common to them. So the two major efficacies that we find in some of these cannabinoids, uh, like CBG and CBD, is decreased uh, anxiety and decreased inflammation. Uh We find the decrease in... Now, if you get enough decrease in anxiety, you get into sedative territory, right? And there are some cannabinoids that in sufficient enough quantities, it's not always easy to find them in these quantities, but they can act as a sedative. Uh, CBN, mm-hmm. and as a Nancy, is one of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is that that biosynthetic pathway we talked about a few minutes ago involving the acidic precursors, CBN doesn't have one. What? <laughs> yeah, this is complicated biochemistry, right? Yeah. CBN does not have an acidic precursor. The source of CBN is degraded, and degraded is a weighted word. I really shouldn't say that. It makes CBN sound like it's not appealing, and it is a very appealing molecule, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but THC degrades into CBN over time because it happens due to UV light and oxygen, and the higher the temperature, the higher the degradation rate. Mm-hmm. So in that biosynthetic pathway, we have THC. We know it goes from THCA. Well, we know it goes from CBGA to THCA to THC. Well, where does it go after THC? It goes to CBN. Right. And it's something like uh, I was reading up about that. Uh, maybe it's between five and 10 percent over a course of a year. That's how much it uh, uh, can degrade, for lack of a better term, into CBN is that five to 10 percent rate. So that's why a lot of right. people use a lot of really expensive machinery and extraction processes to try and get as much CBN. I think it's going for like eight hundred dollars for 80 grams or something like that something really it, it's expensive. a lot of these isolates are yeah expensive when i see 130 dollar one ounce cbd tinctures i kind of wonder that's really outside the zone of what consumers are used to paying for wellness products and supplements right. so uh the market just i know this is an aside but the market's not going to support that for very long so you know anybody salivating over their huge profit margins for their hundred plus dollar one or two ounce tincture regardless mm-hmm. of the molecules in it yeah they're gonna have to update their business plan real fast yeah <laughs> yeah i feel like we're in this huge bubble that's about to pop and with 2020 we're, we're already here and the elections looming there's a lot of stuff politically that's happening there's a lot of stuff in the business world that's happening where just like you said there's these inflated prices but then it's so oversaturated that there's a lot of stuff going to be interesting that's in play for 2020 i think and i don't think anybody can predict too much but all i could say for sure it's going to be pretty interesting (laughs) i would agree i think The next two years, 2020, 2021, 2022, are going to be extremely disruptive. Uh, We're already seeing people that just a year ago, everybody wanted to be them. Uh, MedMen, right? Everybody wanted to be one of the rock stars with all the tens of millions of dollars, you know, and everything. And they're getting ready to melt down just because they, you know, had big egos and didn't understand how to run a business. But they were good at convincing people to give them money and they convinced those people they could run a business. But obviously the proof's in the pudding and they can't. So we're going to see a lot of the, you know, the top dogs who were overextended or, you know, I'm not an MBA. I'm not an economic uh, analyst, but uh, there's a lot of people who are overextended right now. And sometimes if they're publicly traded, then we know about that because they have to divulge that information on a quarterly or annual basis. But uh, the privately traded 
folks, uh, they can tell us whatever they want and we just have to kind of believe it. So I think we're going to have some real, some shocking wins in the next two to three years and some shocking bankruptcies and failures. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a bummer. So you did mention terpenes earlier and we love your terpene Tuesday because it's just an easy way of getting, you know, a quick slap shot of knowledge that, you know, you can take with you. So I would love to hear what is the most interesting terpene to you or terpenes, some of your favorites? <laughs> the most you know, interesting. Yeah, because there's a lot of options, right? We've yeah. got uh, about 200 of these little <laughs> aromatic volatile molecules. I would say one of my favorites, uh, is certainly in terms of it being unique, is beta-caryophylline, known as BCP. Okay. And the neat thing about that is, okay, let's go back a little, let's go back to the 60s before most of us were born. Uh, 1964, an Israeli researcher named Raphael Meshulam discovered THC, and that discovery involved isolating and synthesizing it, okay? Those are two kind of separate science terms there. And if you can do both, then basically you've discovered slash identified the molecule. and uh, he did the same thing for uh, for CBG. Okay, uh, he so, discovered CBG. He discovered okay. a lot of these very critical molecules, and he discovered beta caryophylline. But it was first identified as a uh, terpene. Well, some German scientists. In the early aughts, I believe it was 2008, uh, saw behavior from BCP that uh, indicated that it was a cannabinoid. So wait a second. Is it a terpene? Is it a cannabinoid? It is the only terpene that we have identified to date that interacts with the endocannabinoid system and these receptor types that we haven't talked about yet, CB1 and CB2. Mm -hmm. Terpenes don't normally interact with those receptors within the endocannabinoid system known as the ECS. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But BCP does. And that was the chief characteristic that started making it look like, wait a second, we thought this was a terpene. Perhaps it's a cannabinoid. Interesting. So does that actually uh, interact specifically with CB1 or cannabinoid 1 or cannabinoid 2 receptors? Right. With the, I believe it's a CB1. Yeah. So, uh, and and there's plenty of good articles about BCP out there. I've written a few of them uh, for various clients like Strain Print and Cannabis Aficionado and Herb.co and Mass Roots. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's nice. The modern social media and mobile tech allows curious uh, humans to really teach ourselves a lot of uh, interesting stuff these days. I would say be very careful about the sources that you go to because – like anything, especially when it's new to society and the science is still fuzzy and we need a lot more research, uh, there is kind of invalid information out there. There's there's a lot of misinformation, even among oh, yeah. the people who embrace in the industry and mm-hmm. who embrace this culture, right? Just because yeah, right. they're not prohibitionists, it doesn't mean they're correct. So we hear a lot of fallacies, urban legends. Uh, well, one thing we talked about uh, before was holding your breath in when you take uh, you yeah. inhale vapor or smoke. Uh-huh. Uh, there's there's no need to do that. Uh the, the lungs absorb the cannabinoids and the terpenes within two to three milliseconds, and your lungs have the surface level of a tennis court. Oh, wow. Tennis court. Which is, <laughs> which is crazy. It so is. It's kind, yeah, it's kind it's, of fun to learn these new things, I think. Yeah. I mean, so the BCP, though, I was just wondering how common, how commonly does that occur in, you know, your average plants that you're 
getting at rec shops or medicinal shops? See, that's that's a great question, because this is where theory meets reality. You know, we can talk about the medicinal efficacy of terpenes like BCP and myrcene and linalool and cannabinoids like CBG and THC and CBD. Mm -hmm. But if we don't, dosing is so critical and we don't talk about dosing enough, quite honestly. Right. Uh, But in too low a quantity you're not going to get the efficacy you want. In too great a quantity, you're not going to get the efficacy you want, right? Okay. Again, people get too much THC and they get all spun out and have panic attacks. And yeah. that's not a fun experience. That's not going right? to help with your anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I do want to take a second to mention something else, just kind of doing some agenda setting for listeners so they can go off and do their own research. Yeah. Okay. But there's something called the something called the biphasic response curve. And some really smart doctors on the East Coast taught me about this. People like Dr. Peter Grinspoon and Dr. Ben Kaplan and I'll also mention Mara Gordon in California. These are some of the foremost thought leaders when it comes to the medicinal research of hemp and cannabis and what's going on here. Anyway, these folks taught me about something called the biphasic response curve. And okay, we all know that uh, THC is supposed to mellow people out, right? Relax them, reduce anxiety. Mm -hmm. Basically, a doctor would say it reduces anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Chill out. Right. That's in low quantities on this biphasic response curve because it's like a bell curve, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you get too much, especially if you're a novice consumer, you get too much THC. Now it's a completely different and actually polar opposite experience Right. where now you're freaking out. You're not, you're not chill and calm and relaxed after a hard day's work. You're, yeah, you know, it went the total opposite direction, but it's the exact same molecule. So, so we can't, the takeaway here is that we can't say THC is good or THC is bad. I wish we could sit here and say THC is good all day long, 100% yeah. of the time, all yeah. use case scenarios, mm-hmm. but we can't. Yeah, I totally agree. And I like diving into that more. I've been hearing more and studying more into cannabinoid, cannabinoid, <laughs> cannabinoid hypermesis syndrome. And yes. I'm sure you know a little bit about that. But basically, it's just where people can't handle any kind of cannabinoids and it just feels like it's just a bad experience more or less. Yeah. And I would encourage listeners to uh, check out Alice Moon in California. Uh, She has this syndrome and she writes very articulately about it. She's attracted both lovers and haters. Boy, there's a lot of hate on social media. Boy, it's, it's kind of pathetic how immature we get sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. When you hide um, behind screens, anything can happen uh, for good or for worse. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, but Alice Moon is someone who has experienced this personally, and she is uh, very active on social media. She's a writer. And uh, so she shares her experience with the world. And I think that's very good that we should be paying attention because there is a lot of contention over this syndrome. And, uh, you know, I understand if you put $10 million into a business, you don't want somebody going around saying that the product that you sell can can cause uh, negative things to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But. You know, we just again, we just we need more research. And until the federal schedule one falls, um, there's such tremendous blockades to robust research, to even basic research that uh, no wonder, you know, we're not getting enough of it. But we're getting quite a bit of it, quite honestly. There is not, as people say, a dearth of research. But so much of it's coming from Canada and the UK and even yeah. China's doing terpene research. I cite it all the time. Oh, wow. You know, I think it's just crazy how, you know, cannabis is schedule one, yet a substance like cocaine is schedule three. It just doesn't make any sense. And like yeah, I said, doctors. Yeah. 
Yeah, 2020, yeah. I hope, is going to be a great year and possibly falling that schedule one to something else for they sure. reschedule it. Reschedule. <laughs> yeah, doctors can uh, prescribe cocaine and uh, some pharmaceutical product, a nasal spray or something I was just saw on social last week uh, involves uh, cocaine. So, uh, yeah, we, we definitely have some, let's just say, legacy policies in force right now in the United <laughs> States. Canada got over it in October of 2018 when they went federally legal, right? They had had federal prohibition on cannabis since 1923. We've had it here in the United States since August of 1937. Yeah. So it's been a long, long time. That's why uh, the farm bill last, uh, last year that legalized hemp at the federal level was such a big deal because that changed something that went all the way back to 1937. So, as you all know, we are cannabinoids, and that means we absolutely love bringing the cannabis industry to your ears and all of the details that come with that. But we also love your partnership and support. A lot of work goes into creating each episode and keeping it free for everybody. You can support Cannabinerds continuing to do that by becoming a Patreon. Becoming a Patreon for Cannabinerds comes with several perks like ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, and even some sweet Cannabinerds t-shirts and hats. To become a Patreon, head over to CannabinerdsPodcast.com. Click on the Patreon button. It's that easy. It's been amazing being a part of Cannabinerds, so we invite you to join us so you can be a Cannabinerd too. Well, I want, I'm very excited to hear uh, that you are creating a curriculum. Um, just a little backstory. You've been wanting to build a curriculum and, a, and courses, and you're develop, developing this to bring more knowledge about cannabis. Uh, yeah. Do you want to tell us more about that? Because I want to get, if anybody's interested in that's listening right now or in the future, how could they be a part of that or how could they help that? What, what What's your vision? I, I have a lot of people approach me and say, hey, Kurt, where can I read your stuff? You know, somebody, my doctor, somebody said I should learn about terpenes and cannabinoids and recommended you. And the unfortunate part is that I've written for clients, uh, content marketing and freelance articles for magazines and media outlets, but in increasingly for uh, companies. They're not, they're not media outlets, you know, they're companies that sell products and services and they want content marketing. But anyway, my point is the stuff's all over Hell's Half Acre, right? It's just a little chunk is here and a little chunk is there and strain print, the smart all, data people. And it's all different. Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, cause I, you know, I write to the standard of the client. They might have a template or ask me to develop a template for them or something. So anyway, it's, yeah, there's, there's not a nice cohesive group. And that's one thing that developing this curriculum under my own brand will do is it'll give me a nice chunk of intellectual property and training materials to which I can point people. Okay. Right on. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, is there any way that anybody can help you with that or... Um, is it just being patient? Or just being patient <laughs> and waiting for, for the knowledge to come forth from the, your websites and Kurt Robbins LLC and all that kind of stuff? I mean, there'll definitely be a lot of ticklers. You know, we're a freemium society, quite honestly. So there'll be a lot of that Terpene Tuesday type of hashtag campaign, learn and teach others, you know, and just did you know? You'll see that on a lot of my social media. Did you know? It's like, how much can we say in the span of just a short 
tweet or post the LinkedIn or whatever, right? right yeah. And those are just little tidbits, but we can do things. I can say things like, hey, have you heard of CBG? It's it's the new hot molecule on the block, kind of like <laughs> CBD. And it's agenda setting. Maybe the viewer, all they do is walk away and say, oh, there's another cannabinoid I've never heard of. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's it. But, you know, we've, we've imparted upon them a little knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And if you're in a professional, I increasingly I speak to people, you know, working professionals in the industry of hemp and cannabis. So uh, if you're in the industry, it kind of behooves you to know what you're talking about. Because right. yes. it's just so I cannot emphasize. I tell my clients this all the time. It is currently and increasingly hyper competitive, hyper competitive markets mean that everybody, if you want to be on the winner's list a few years from now, you got to bring your A game. I mean, you got to yeah. be really, really good or you're just not going to make it. Right. And then there's the marketing aspect in that too, because you could sound really smart and you would lose 80% of people that were listening because they have no idea what you're talking about. There's that middle ground where you need to communicate, where I personally need to communicate uh, in a way that's simple and that people can understand and yes. not throwing a bunch of big words uh, out there because I've definitely done that personally. <laughs> They're like, what are you talking about? Oh, I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. And that's why we love right. your, we love your slogan, the learn and teach others, just because, I mean, this curriculum is a great example. It's like we can learn, we can be a part of it and then also turn around and teach that to others. And I think that's just so important. It's just, well, it says it's building a community right there. And yeah. that's what you're doing just right. in that little phrase right there. You're building a community. No, I was, well, I was just going to say that it's funny kind of the way we're framing this because I have a series of uh, seminars and classes that I'm planning and fleshing out right now called the Foundation Series. So the exact point that you're making is that, you know, we can't sit here and start talking about the intricacies of CB1 and CB2 receptors and, you know, how these cannabinoids and terpenes work together inside the brain and, you know, in the organs of the immune system and all that, when people don't even know what the hell terpenes and cannabinoids even are. Right. right. You just yeah. said ECS. What the hell is that, dude? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. What's you an know? X? I don't know an X. <laughs> yeah. Acidic precursors. This is not chemistry class. What the hell, dude? So, yeah, you know, we we have to set that basic vocabulary. Right. And that, again, is what I'm trying to do through my social media. And now I'm just formalizing it in 2020 with a, you know, series of seminars and in uh, classes. And collectively, we call that a curriculum. So what's one thing that you would want to say to everyone listening, or, you know, it could be about misconceptions or misinformation that you see out there today. I mean, I know we hit on a little bit of it where you, you know, don't hold it in. You don't have to hold in the right. vapor or smoke, but I mean, what's another, you know, good thing that I, you'd like to pass on. I would, I would caution listeners to put too much stock in isolates. Now, real quickly, what's an isolate? Well, a molecular isolate is if you see a CBD tincture or a salve or whatever type, or it's a capsule, whatever type of product it is, if an isolate is almost exclusively that molecule, like I have some THCA isolate right now from a company called Fuse here in Nevada, mm -hmm. and it is like 98.7% THCA. Oh, wow. It's just like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's hardcore. It's like for pain patients and stuff. It's definitely yeah. hardcore stuff. I love it. Right. <laughs> so that's an isolate. Okay. Yeah. There's two other categories we need to know about. There's broad spectrum and full spectrum. Broad spectrum 
let's explain full spectrum first. So if I take a hemp or a cannabis plant and we use some sort of extraction technology to remove the cannabinoids, terpenes, and flavonoids, and maybe some other stuff, some lignans, you know, fat stuff, this, this, you know, we, we pull all that out. If we don't filter anything out, that's called full spectrum in theory. Now there's mm-hmm. good okay. full spectrum and there's bad full spectrum. Okay. Maz Miata and the turbo Porsche, different categories, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. we need to, we need to keep everything, you know, uh, objective here. I always found um, just the term full spectrum, uh, almost a little misleading because you're still extracting some of the plant out. Obviously, if it was a full spectrum of everything, all the molecules and natural compounds of the plant, that would be 100%. <laughs> you know, when <laughs> like they say- truly full yeah, yeah, like it'd be I, eating bark, right? Yeah, you gotta so process think, it somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gotta process it somehow, but then it's not full anymore by definition. So that's one of the the one thing I like to bring up as far as a misconception. Full maybe not necessarily means full. Being full is a one hundred percent by definition, right? So how can something be full if you're extracting it? But anyway, I'll get right. off my soapbox. <laughs> no, no, that's true. And that's that's where, you know, this is an emerging industry. So some of these dynamics and mechanisms we're discussing don't even really have names yet. Or this, you know, Canadians call it this and the Brits call it this and some of the Americans call it this. You know, we do, uh, we're looking at industry standards emerging. That's the exciting part about what's going on right now, right? Every new state that comes online for adult use helps do they adopt the old standards of the other the previous adult use states that became legal or do they invent their own standards right uh it's different from state to state right now absolutely each one's just like a laboratory it's like a big experiment and that's (laughs) the way we really should view it as industry professionals and consumers is that nothing's set in stone these are all just big experiments yeah and it's almost a good thing uh, to take a positive spin on that if we have 50 different states doing 50 different things with as far as testing to the bureaucracy and the legalization and whatnot then you have what works and what doesn't work and you have 50 different case studies of what works and what doesn't work and you can mit, like pick and choose what you want i'm getting a little political here but then you can you know take that federally and be like okay this worked and this didn't work in these states and over here we have something totally different so let's just take what worked for all of them and put it together possibly Right. Yeah. I I think the problem there is where theory meets reality. And a bigger (laughs) issue is we can't agree on what works and what doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What what we think, what the three of us think works, a prohibitionist from, you know, Pennsylvania might say, oh, that doesn't work at all. I don't want a dispensary in my neighborhood. You guys are crazy hippies. Yeah. (laughs) Which may or may not be true. I can neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, there's just so much contention and so much emotion. And I think that's why I try to keep most of the content that I create in educational materials. I like the fact that for it to be reputable and solid and me to not be talking out my ass, quite frankly, Mm -hmm. that it has to be evidence-based and science-based, right? right? I'm continually, I can't tell you how many hundreds of research studies I have cited in the content I've developed because it's really, it's, it's not about the article. It's not about the author. It's about the science that we're citing because everything outside of that is just emotion and hyperbole mm-hmm. and fear and all the stuff that really doesn't help the, the dialogue. Yeah, it right. can be manipulation even if... Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if people want to know where you are, 
where you're like, online, you know. <laughs> Where's <laughs> your creepy. house? Yeah, not any of that. <laughs> People want to know where you're writing stuff, where you're publishing your findings, where you are um, most active on social media. Where can they find you? Where can they ask you questions? Where can they uh, get in contact with you or find out? Or if they're just interested in what you're saying now, how can they find out more? Uh, I would say check me out on both Twitter and LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, you know, you can just look up Kurt Robbins on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, Google will do the rest for you, right? Yeah. Um, I'm under Robbins Group LLC on Twitter. I'm probably most active on Twitter, just the whole nature of that social media platform for content creators like me, especially if you're trying to get kind of into a didactic model of teaching people. Mm-hmm. Twitter seems to work really well. Um, so I'd recommend uh, following me there. Um, and, you know, we just scratched the surface with CBG, right? Yeah. And all these cannabinoids and terpenes and the endocannabinoid system. If you want a really good primer on all those foundational topics, uh, a cool Canadian company called Hemptown USA approached me last year and we developed a 50 page white paper on CBG. Wow. It's called CBG, the mother of cannabinoids. And, but, because, you know, what's interesting about this white paper is that it's really just a little slice of it that talks about CBG. Mm-hmm. And the reason is we had to teach everyone in the, all the pages that came before it, what is the endocannabinoid system? What is a terpene? What is a phytocannabinoid versus an endocannabinoid like anandamide or 2-AG? Things we haven't even talked about today. So you have like CBD, you have these companies that say CBD does this, this, and this, and this. They get, um, some of them even say... Um, you know, it can cure stuff. And that's when the FDA comes mm-hmm. in and say, you can't do that. But what people need to understand is to get to that point where CBD or cannabis in general was what we're talking about can actually get to that point. Um, you need to understand everything else before that, what you're talking about, like the ECS, uh, cannabinoid receptors, everything like that, to understand that cannabis may be able to do that because it does help with inflammation. Inflammation is related to pain, but you have to bridge the gap like that. You can't just say cannabis helps with pain. Well, you got to understand that it helps with the inflammation part and in some instances, that can help with that. certain types of pain. Yeah, you just can't, you can't skip that. You can't do a shortcut. And I right. think that's what you're trying to bring to the table. And I think that's fantastic how you are bringing it to the table, specifically with just how you're offering all your information and research for free. I mean, I've been on uh, LinkedIn quite uh, a lot looking at all your articles, and they're just fantastic. So I encourage everybody... Oh, Anybody that's listening to go at least check at least a Terpene Tuesday article out because it's a 30 second read and you learn something and you're better off for the day. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll yeah, exactly. Hey, what could what could be easier on Terpene Tuesday? All you have to do is pay attention to my Twitter feed. You don't have to read a 4000 word article. Right. <laughs> exactly. And you have that and you have the 4000 page article and everything in between. So it's if you're a beginner in all this you have something to read. If you are an expert in this, you have, you know, a 50 page report to read. (laughs) There's a lot of different options, which is fantastic. Exactly. And in some respects, I would like to stress the fact that in some respect, there are no experts. For example, I cited 146 cannabinoids that have been discovered to date. 
a research study was released as recently as December 30th, 2019, by some Italian researchers that identified numbers 145 and 146 mm. just a couple of weeks ago. So that's how dynamic this is, right? Mm. And I guarantee you some of these really innovative, well-funded companies in Israel, they're going to be pumping out the science in the next few years. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. I'll be looking to you to tell me. Well, <laughs> there we'll you go. Well, hey, that's a good partnership. We'll do that. <laughs> no, that's great. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on, Kurt. I really appreciate all the time that you've spent uh, just digging deep in these articles and the time you spent with us and just the cannabinerd uh, listener group. We really appreciate it. There will be more, oh, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Rachel. Thank you, yeah. David. And you guys got my attention with cannabis nerds because when I see the word, uh, you know, nerd beside anything cannabis related, it gets my attention. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. You're, well, you're the honorary cannabis nerd, so we'll send you. A well, hat. thank you. I, <laughs> you know, yeah. And uh, please, I'd love to to talk again because these are very deep topics. So, yeah. but I'll take your listeners and say, hey, start out with that white paper from Hemptown USA at hemptownusa.com mm -hmm. slash CBG. That's how easy they made it to get that 50 page white <laughs> paper at no cost. Yeah, oh, that's no awesome. cost. Right. And I will recommend one other small thing. Uh, one yeah. of my clients, Strain Print Technologies in Toronto, uh, I developed almost 50 articles for them over the last couple of years. So there's some real good stuff there. We did a terpene series. But the one article I'm thinking of specifically is when I interviewed Dr. Ben Kaplan from Boston and we talked about subjective efficacy. So I just want everybody to remember that you learn all this amazing stuff about hemp and cannabis and these cannabinoids and terpenes and how these phytomolecules, you know, interact with the human body and the bodies of our dogs and cats and other mammalian friends. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when we need to understand all this kind of foundational topics and not to make it too complicated, but on top of that, we have to realize that the subjective efficacy means what works for one person may not yes. necessarily work for another. What calms me down might have you freaking out and vice versa. Right. So we just always need to embrace subjective efficacy. Embrace it and Absolutely. everybody's different and let's celebrate that mm -hmm. as well as we just have a whole lot more learning and research to do, which is actually a very exciting time to be in. Yeah. It is an extremely exciting time. If, if you're working, those who are working in the hemp and cannabis industries, the next decade is hold on tight because it's just going to be a really fast, really exciting ride. Thank you so much to Kurt Robbins for bestowing your amazing knowledge to us humble cannabinoids today. I have a feeling that this won't be the only interview or discussion that we'll have. You've been listening to Cannabinerds, learning all the social, political, and science ins and outs of cannabis. If you enjoy what you're listening to, please rate us five stars and write a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. That helps us out so much. Uh, tell your friends even, any cannabis enthusiast or grandma, family, all that kind of stuff. As always, you can follow us everywhere at Pod. Or if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to CannabinerdsPodcast.com. I'm David, reminding you to stay safe, learn and teach others, and take care of each other. Thanks for listening.